Good morning. How are we doing? Everybody doing okay? Uh, my name is Megan, and I am one of the leaders here at Real Life. And for those of you who are new here, or this might be your first time visiting, um, our mission is to help people who feel far from God to find real life in Christ. So you're going to notice we do things a little bit different on a Sunday because we're always having that in mind. We want people that are investigating or are curious about who Jesus is to feel comfortable and feel like they belong. So that's really where our heart's at on a Sunday morning. Um, also, I... Um, uh, today, like Caleb said, we have Sunday Fun Day going on. So a lot of you brought your kids because this is a highlight of their year. Um, I was in the group this morning. We have a little prayer group, and the kids lead, Ellen, had said she just wanted you guys to know that they're going to be doing a ton of games and stuff. So after service, when you go out into the hallway, there'll be some greeters that will lead you out to where the field is. If they're in the middle of a game, just let them finish because they are trying to get these really big candy bars or something, and they're going to be really invested. And if you pull them from that, I'm just telling you, the rest of your day may not go so well. So if you see your kid in the middle of something, just let them finish the game because there's a candy bar on the line. Um, that was her request. Also, like Caleb said, we are having baptisms on August 21st, so please sign up online. It's a really quick form. That way we're ready for you, and you can also get an email beforehand so you'll know what to expect, no surprises, and so that we can celebrate that you found real life in Christ. So I'm going to close us in prayer, and then we're going to continue singing together. Lord, I thank you for um, just the gift of gathering um, to be together and to um, be a community of people who are seeking and looking and want to encourage one another and support one another. I just thank you that you are a God who invites all of us um, to come and be with you today. So we invite your presence. Uh, we invite your peace. Father, we just fill this room and help us understand you and meet you in a way maybe we haven't before. In Jesus' name. Amen. You were once a prisoner, held captive by fear, by prejudice, by sin, anger, addiction. But here's the thing, that prison no longer exists. Those walls have been torn down. What once held you captive now lays in ruins. You have been set free, redeemed, renewed, and God continues creating by bringing your soul to life. Where there was a prison, there is now a playground. Where there was despair, we find a wellspring of joy. Where there was death, we are given life. Christ has set us free. So live in that freedom. Lift your voice. Clap your hands. Find your joy and set it free. For you, are a prisoner no longer. Well, good morning. Uh, good to have you here. I'm going to welcome everybody. If you're sitting in front of me, thanks for being here. Uh, online, if you're part of an online campus, wherever you are in the world, thanks for tuning in. Brewster, 
Good to have you um, with us this morning. Thanks for tuning in uh, up there in the middle school. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue a little series that we started last week. Um, and I think a lot of us last week, this week, whether you're, I'll catch you up, we'll do a little review. But we have this moment where we're like, hey, I didn't know that. Like, oh, I didn't know. Uh, I just read this week. Do you know what the closest um, state of the United States is to Africa? Which, which state is closest? Maine. Who said that? Well, my dad. Uh, he's, he's got a mimosa. That was a total guess. He doesn't even know where, where he's at. Dad, wow. Dad, did you get that off the internet? Yeah, no, you didn't. You don't even know how to get on the internet. Dad, I'm so impressed. Uh, yeah, Maine is the closest one, all right? Uh, I remember, speaking of my dad, my dad let me go to this uh, Bible camp when I was a kid up in Conconelli. I bet you some of you have been there, especially you up in Brewster. And it wasn't my church people. I, didn't, I went with a friend. My dad's like, well, it's not Baptist, but we'll let you go. And so I was able to go. And so we get up there. We spend a week up there. And about midweek, they have each cabin come up in front of the chapel time and say the verse that their cabin memorized. Who's with me? You with me? All right. So we had memorized a verse or whatever. And so they said, come on up, cabin A. And so we go up there and I just, you know, I thought, yeah, let's get there the quickest way possible. So I stepped on the little fence and stepped on the stage and we said our, our uh, verse and then went and sat down. Afterwards, man, a couple adults came up and they were giving me the scolding and who do I think I am? And I'm like, what are you doing? They said, you stepped on the altar on your way up to the I didn't, we didn't have an altar in Baptist church. They were like Nazarenes and, and free Methodists, you know what I'm saying? Who, who's with me? Whoop, whoop. Uh, yeah, where I entered Nazarene church. I married a Nazarene. Jesus was a Nazarene. At Nazarene church, they, uh, they have an altar, and they call, down, they call people down front almost every week. Who's with me? Anyone? Anyone? Nobody. Uh, so evidently, the little, what looked like a fence to me, was the altar that people come down and pray and talk to God. I didn't know that. And so they're like, who do you think you are? And I said, well, call my dad, because I, I, didn't, I didn't know. And that moment where he said, yeah, no, I didn't know. Someone's mad at you, and like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know that. See, some of us have problems and struggles, and when they're pointing out, you're like, yeah, I didn't know that. But other times, we've got a problem, and we don't know what to do about it. And it's impossible to solve a problem if you don't understand what the problem is to begin with. Like, I think I got a problem, I think there's a problem, but I don't really understand what the problem is, so I'm just going to carry on. And we talked about this last, uh, last week. This is the um, Champlain Towers in Surfside, Florida. If you were here last week, you heard me talk about it. This is what it looked like on June 23rd, uh, 2021. This is what it looked like on June 24th, 2021. That it collapsed, and 98 people died. And here's the thing. If you ask any of the residents that lived in the Champlain Towers... On June 23rd, hey, do you think your building's going to collapse tomorrow? Hey, did you know that there's a problem with your building? All of them were like, no, we didn't know. Do you know that in 2018, some inspectors saw that there was a leak from the pool area that was leaking down into the garage that was making the concrete structure really frail and could collapse any time? Did you know? No, we didn't know. After the fact, hey, uh, people that manage the building, did you know it was going to fall apart? And if someone said, yeah, we kind of knew, what do you think of them? 
But most of them, in fact, almost all of them, like, no, we didn't know. How were we, how were we supposed to solve a problem that we didn't even know? Was, we didn't even see it coming. And again, that's disaster. But most of us, whether you're a church person or not, whether you live in Brewster or Chelan or anywhere in between, most of us struggle to solve the problem of us. The struggle to solve you is very difficult. And most of us know we got a problem. We do things we wish we wouldn't, wouldn't do. We say things we wish we wouldn't say. But what we talked about last week to catch us all up is the problem may be that you don't know that what the problem may be. That maybe you're trying to solve a problem one way, but the problem may be that you don't know what the problem may be. Bam. Click. Click some more. There we go. Ashton's running the board today. Ashton, stay with me, brother. Uh, put the cinnamon roll away and pay attention. Uh, the problem may be that you don't know what the problem is. Okay? And we're just talking you. Like, maybe you've paid someone to help you figure out the problem of you. Maybe you have plenty of people around you that tell you what your problem is. Maybe, maybe you have lost relationships or jobs or, 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 or spouses because of the problem of you. But here's the thing. Just knowing what the problem is is not the same as having a solution to the problem. Hey, we got a problem in this condominium complex in Florida. It's going to collapse at any time. 98 people die. Just knowing the problem doesn't mean you figure out a solution. So a lot of us are like, yeah, I got issues. I got problems. Yeah, that's just who I am. But we carry on, and then we wonder why there's this rubble of aftermath in our life and relationships. Because we just continue, and in, in, we go to relationship after relationship, or week after week, and all we leave in our wake is this rubble. If you think I'm scolding you, I'm not scolding you. In fact, I'm with you. That all of us struggle. And listen, it's not just me. Last week we looked at, and we're going to continue to look at, the Apostle Paul's take on this whole problem with us, with you. And Paul, just to catch us all up, Paul was a dude that when Jesus was on the earth, he hated Jesus, he hated his message. Jesus died on the cross. We believe that he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. Then after that, the Apostle Paul came along and tried to persecute and sometimes approve the death of people who called themselves followers of Jesus. He was a terrorist of Christians, and then he became a Christian. Then arguably, he becomes probably why we're all here, because he went around the whole Mediterranean rim planting churches. And he wrote Letters to all these churches, which became part of the sacred scripture in the New Testament. So really, Paul is like, if you're going to list the greatest uh, people within Christianity, Paul's got to be at the top of that list. And Paul's struggle with himself is the same struggle you have with yourself. Here's how we know. Paul lays out the problem way before he shares the solution. And he says this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do that. For what I have desired to do, I have desired to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Anybody with me? The stuff you want to do, you don't do. And the stuff you don't want to do, you keep on doing. For I do not do the good I want to do. 
But the evil I do not want to do, that I keep on doing. He's not done. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. That is a lot of doo-doo. Who's with me? <laughs> Fill in your own phrase. We know the doo-doo inside of us. And we may be, think we're hiding it from And you may be good, doing a good job of hiding it from people. But you may be a day, a week, a month from a whole collapse, a whole pile of rubble. The stuff that gets in the way, the stuff that I can't figure out, why do I say that again? Why don't I just stop looking at that? Why don't I just do that? Why don't I go to... All the stuff I don't want to do, I do. And the stuff I know I should do, I don't. And I think whether you're a church person or not, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, whether you've ever been to church before, I think most of us can agree with Paul's description of who we are. Whether it's like, hey, why don't I exercise more? Or why don't I be nicer to my spouse? All of us, no matter where we're at, struggle with why can't I do the stuff I want to do? And the problem is, that last week, Paul says, all of us, when we were born, we were born in Adam, all right? That Adam being the first man, once Adam sinned, all of us are sinners. So when you were born, you were born a sinner. You were born in Adam. And you're like, that's not fair. And I, am, I the apostle Paul, would say, that's true. But it's true. It's not fair, but it's true. And there's lots of stuff in life, not fair, but are true, right? A lot of stuff that we experience that isn't fair. The loss of loved one, cancer, uh, uh, the abuse of kids. We're like, that's not fair. No, it's not. But it's true. So all of us find ourselves in this situation. But most of us are like, what do I do about this? I find myself in Adam. Adam sinned. I sinned. Everybody's a sinner. So we attempt to do something about ourselves. But the problem is, we got to understand, everybody, everybody's a sinner, right? Um, Billy Graham's sinner. Uh, here, where? Here she is. Mother Teresa, sinner. Oh, way down, way down. Look, look at this. Pastor Billy from Brewster, sinner. <laughs> Pastor Kyle, who's this? That's Darlene. We're going to sit right there. She's kind of a sinner. She's close to sinners because she lived with my two daughters and I. But no, even Darlene, the, 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 uh, the, the, the great Darlene, is a sinner. So here's our struggle, right? We have looked at sin as a noun, as a, a, a sin is a noun, not a verb. So we think if I can just stop doing these things, I'll be good. But the Apostle Paul says that. Sin is a noun. Sin is a, a, a big thing. Sin is what you, you were born into. Sin is what you are. And we look at sinning whether you want, you can change the word, you can call it mistakes, or whatever you want. But we all have a standard like, hey, I don't live by the Bible, the Ten Commandments. Okay. But you have a standard that I, bet I don't think you keep up with. So we all have our own personal moral law or the laws of the, 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 the United States or whatever. And God has a moral law as well. So we look at them and we just say, if I just stop doing that, 
if I don't look at that internet site, if I just keep my mouth shut over here. And so we try to control our struggle with us on our own, and we concentrate on the verb and not on the noun. Because as much as we don't like it, and we can have a long discussion, and, and it stirs some stuff up, sin is a disease that got passed on down the ages, and it started with Adam. High school boy came up to me afterwards last week and says, hey, what's the deal? Why are you just blaming Adam? Why isn't Eve on that uh, list over there either? And I explained it like a biblical pastor would. Yeah, Eve was a problem, and women have been a problem since the start of mankind. <laughs> but listen, son, we don't talk about that publicly. We just know it in our hearts that that's the way it is. I, I said, no. Adam being the first man. When you were born, you were born, the Bible says, Paul says, in, in Adam, all right? Now, hold on to that thought because we're going to come back to it, all right? The reason we continue to struggle, because in Adam, sin is our master. So, since I was a kid, up till present day, when someone says, what has gotten into you? What, what happened? The, the, the answer would be, well, sin happened, and we don't, I'm not blaming sin to get away from it and say, oh, I got this disease and I'm just going to blame, blame it and I'm not responsible. No, I'm responsible and so are you. Remember that one spring break? Remember that first business trip? The time you thought no one would find out? Remember that one weekend in Vegas? Remember your first, your freshman in college? Like, what, how, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Well, you were thinking sin and you were doing sin. So what got into you? Sin got into you. So the struggle is real. Stay with me now. We're going to enter into it's, uh, the book of Romans. It's an enormously important and difficult book. Super deep. You have to work a little bit extra hard here in the next few minutes. All right? But it's kind of like, anybody like to hike? Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, I don't understand it. I don't understand the hiking, Okay. When you just hike, let's hike up that mountain, and it'll really, it'll hurt, and it'll be really hot. It'll hurt going up, and guess what? It hurts coming back down, too. Would you like to join me? No, I would not like to go with you. But if you said, let's go on a hike. Let's go to Elvin's Head, okay? Let's go on a hike. And when we get to Elvin's Head, there's a bakery up there, and you can spend the week. There's a bed for you. There's television, and there's unlimited pastries for you. Kyle, would you like to go? Yeah, I might. Yeah, yeah, I think I would. I think I would. Then after a week of pastries, just roll me back down elephant's head. That's kind of where we're headed today. Listen, there's going to be like, this is so hard. What are you talking about, Kyle? I, I'm uncomfortable with this. I don't like it. Just trust me. When we get to the top, there's a bakery. Okay? We're going to struggle through something. But all the great stuff in life is a struggle. You put your head down and you do it because there's a path. And that's where we're at this morning. And Paul continues and he says, So I find this law at work in me. I can't get past it. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And then as if he's screaming the words off the page, he says, what a wretched man I am. This is the top leaders 
influencers of all of Christianity. And he's writing this. He's probably dictating it. Somebody's writing it down for him. And he gets to this point, and he, I bet you he just falls back and he's like, I'm the worst. And really, if we knew him, we think he was probably the best compared to me. He says, what a, what a wretched man. And, and, and we look at it and we, and we think, okay, this isn't something small. Paul's not struggling with, oh, God, please help me. I've been driving my chariot five miles over the speed limit for all this week. Or I don't know, what a wretched man I am. My wife asked me to do the dishes, and I did not do them when she asked me to do them again. My wife would say, what a wretched man you are. But those are little things. Paul is struggling with something. Paul, the writer of the Bible, is struggling with something. He's like, ah, what am I going to do? So we ask in our situation, in our struggle, with things in our life that we don't want to do, things that get in the way of being who we want to be, and we keep doing things we don't want to do, we ask the question, what can rescue me? I need another meeting. And you know what? If I just heard one more good sermon, maybe that's my problem. I need a church with a better preacher. Okay, I got some suggestions for you, all right? Maybe you need new friends. Maybe you need new workout strategy. Maybe you need to memorize the Bible more. And we say, what can rescue me? What can rescue me? What can rescue me? But Paul says, it ain't a what. Paul says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not a what. Paul says it's a who. And he says, uh, middle school, is this for you? The who is greater than the do-do in you. You're like, Kyle, that's something. Yeah, but you're going to remember it. It's not a what. The who. Paul says, listen, my struggle the feeling that I'm a wretched man, the thing, I can't do what I want to do, I keep doing what I don't want to do. What is going to rescue me? Nothing. Who is going to rescue me? Thanks be to God that there's a Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God that there's a rescuer. Thanks be to God that there's a Savior because I cannot save myself. The solution isn't a what, it isn't willpower, it isn't stop doing that, it isn't discipline. Now, all those are good things. All those in the New Testament encourages all kinds of good stuff. But your behavior, your right doing, will not make you right. So here's the bottom line before we just stumble in a couple more verses, and I'll give you an illustration. We're out of here. Just as the single unrighteous act of one man ensures you were born a slave to sin, that's Adam, okay? Adam shows up in the Garden of Eden. You can tell your own story. He's minding his own business. He wants to live rightly. God gives him this woman. Bad influence. Uh, he's just minding his own business. He's enjoying the other trees and the other fruit. Read uh, Genesis chapter 3. The wife comes along, probably in a negligee of some kind. <laughs> no negligee because they were naked. Everything was great, right? Everything was great comes along and says, 
Adam, I made you dinner. Oh, Eve, thank you so much. He thought he was eating a normal uh, salad, and she slipped in some apple, the forbidden fruit. Well, this was Darlene. All women. Now, Adam made a choice. God said, you can do whatever you want. Just don't do that. If you want to say, that's crazy, that's stupid. Who do you think? Well, you take it up with God Almighty. Like, I don't think that's right. Okay, well, fight against gravity, too. You know, I mean, I'm not being a smile. Like, I mean, like, you can set your own universe. You can create your own world. You can set the rules if you want. But God said, this is how it's going to be. And we're like, God, that's so stupid. Why? Just one guy messes up, we all mess up. The stupid part would have, got, if, would have been if God was said, and you're all on your own, figure it out. But Paul says that just like one person messed it up for all of us, so the single righteous act of one man frees us from the power of sin. That Jesus comes along, God looks down at the world and says, man, it's a mess down there, Jesus we got to fix this. Jesus says, I'm your man. God, God the Father said, it's going to be hard. It's going to be, I mean, there's some pain coming your way. He says, all right, let's do it. So just like you were born in Adam, in sin, and you're, you're, you're doomed to your sin, Paul says, when you find yourself in Christ, it's a brand new day. It's like Paul says, hey, hey, Once you're in Christ, you are free from the power of sin. Now, in Brewster, if you're listening online or in the room, if you are in Christ, just give me a whoop, whoop, go ahead. All right, now, you're in Christ. Are you free from the power of sin? You're like, nope. Like, Kyle, free from the power of sin. And you're like, no, I'm not free from the power of sin. And I'm like, well, we're just in week two. Give Give me another week, all right? Hold on. Like, wait a minute. If I'm free from the power of sin, why do I keep on sinning? So Paul's going to explain something that some of us are going to take a hard time believing because he's going to say, hey, don't you know? And we're all going to say, including myself, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know that Maine was closest to the continent of Africa. My dad knew. You were thinking the 58 years, 59 years I've known, he would have shared that with me. He didn't. Don't you know? I didn't know that offense up in Conconelli Bible Camp is an altar. I didn't know. And maybe you're here this morning, and the next few words you're going to like, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. There's this great living hope waiting for you. Don't you know that we are those who have died to sin? How can we live it any longer? We're dead to sin, Paul says. That's kind of, it's a weird phrase. How, how can you live it any longer? And, and all the high school boys are like, I'll tell you how I can live it any longer. It's easy. Don't take, I can live in sin. I, I'm the best at it. And not to pick down the high school boys, so y'all. Yeah, how can I keep living in it? It's super easy. I don't even have to plan it. And most of us who are raised in the church, we just think, yeah, 
I'm in Christ, yeah, and I, I, I prayed the prayer. I asked Jesus in my heart, I want to live for Jesus, but I mess up all the time. I get to the end of the day, and I just, uh, as I go to sleep, I just ask God to forgive me of all my sins, and boop, boop, I'm ready, and that's it. And now I'm still ready for heaven, and when my time comes, I get in. And Paul's saying, it's so much more than that. Didn't you know? Why would those of you who have been freed from sin continue to live in it? Why would you keep on doing that? And some of us are like, I didn't know. I thought I had to keep sinning. I thought I didn't have any choice. I appreciate the, this Jesus thing, but I thought, eh, that's just the way it is. I'm just, I'm just doomed to repeat it. And Paul said, didn't you know you didn't have to keep treating her that way so badly? You didn't have to live that lifestyle. You didn't have to treat your body that way. You didn't have to keep screaming at your kids. Didn't you know that you are free from the power of sin? And most people, and you all, listening or watching, are like, no, nah, we didn't know. Paul says, Romans chapter 6, or don't you know? And like, no, I don't think I do. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now listen, don't get all confused on the, the baptism word. It's not talking about dunking or sprinkling. That's not how it's using it. This is a religious term. He's not talking about the baptism we're going to have um, on August 21st right here. He's not talking about that. It's a word that means to put into or to dip or immerse. And he's using it a different way. So he's saying, didn't you know that all of us who were put in, baptized, immersed into Christ, were also immersed in his death? So that when Jesus died, we died too. Get this, stay with me now. The, the climb is hard right now. Stay with me. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a brand new life. That this was just not, hey, I, I became a Christian. I became a follower of Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus as a Savior because I couldn't save myself. And now I'm baptized, I'm in Christ, and now my life stays the same. I just get to go to heaven when I die. Paul said, that's not it at all. Didn't you know it's so much more than that? You may live a brand new life. And some of us are saying, man, I've been at this Christian thing a long time, and it doesn't feel like a brand new life. Because maybe we've been trying to deal with the things we do, and we haven't allowed the who to come in and take charge. Get this now. This is a deep statement. All the benefits of Christ death and resurrection have been applied to us because we are in him. When Jesus died, we died with him. When Jesus rose, we rose. And you're like, wait, 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 I wasn't even there. Well, you weren't here when Adam sinned either. And you, you're born in Adam. Like, wait a minute, I'm in Christ. I died and rose. Yeah. Well, how'd that happen? Jesus, keep going. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That's literally the old way, the old Adam way, the old stuff. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. It's a strange concept. You don't have to keep sinning. According to Paul, I mean, you might be wrong. Got put in the Bible, so I think I'm going to go with that. 
We don't, long, we don't have to live as slaves to sin anymore. Here's how we know that's true. Paul says, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Anyone who's died has been set free from sin. Have you ever tried? Have you ever tried to? I have a great, I have a great line here. Oh, yeah. Have you ever tried to tempt a corpse? Dead. My dad was a funeral director a long time. I remember I went to see him once and came in the wrong door, and I'm like, whoop. That's not my dad. Uh, there's a dead person in there. If I would have walked up and said, hey, dead person, I got this internet site, you want to watch it? They're not responding. Hey, dead person, you want to yell at your wife and be mean? No. They're not responding. Paul says, we are dead to sin. We do not have to respond to sin. The temptation of sin is there, but our response, we do not have to give in. And those of us that have been at this a while are like, ah, that doesn't seem... And our best response is, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Once placed in Christ, we're dead to sin. Here it comes. In the same way, because that's true, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's just not like you stop doing bad things. You get a brand new life. Really, heaven starts the moment when you said yes to Jesus. Not when you take your last breath and are in his presence. The new life starts now, not, not sometime down the road. For sin shall no longer be your master. Paul says, sin is not my master. Listen, play along. Everybody, Brewster, you with me? If you're online, especially if you're listening online, say it out loud. Someone in the house is going to think you're crazy or whatever, but you're listening in real life anyway, so you're half crazy. So let, everyone stay with me, okay? Say this with me. Sin is not my master. Here we go. Sin is not my master. Now, let's whisper it. Ready? Go. Sin is not my master. Kind of has an evilness to it. <laughs> okay. Shall I be quiet? Just Brewster. Here we go. Brewster. Sin is not my master. You may have to say that a hundred times a day for a while, you guys. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know. I got a couple next steps for you. I know this is tough sledding. And listen, if you've been at this a while, jump. You can jump online to the book of Romans. You can get a commentary that helps you wade through it a little bit. We've just given you a snapshot, and we'll continue it next week, too. We'll talk more about the solution, how to live that out. And like, man, I struggle so much. You say I don't have to be a slave to sin, but I still am. And I know I'm in Christ, but I don't know what to do. I did not. We'll give you some more steps next week. But this morning, I just want to take some extra time on the next steps. We have these connection cards that we give to you when you walk in the room. If you're listening online, you can go to the church app. You can go to our website. And on there, the connection card's there too. You can sign up for baptism there if you have a prayer request. Or if you want to respond to this next step, one of these next steps, and then we'll encourage you in that process as well. The first next step is super easy. It's the same as last week. Come back next week. If you don't, it's really going to feel unfinished. All right? If you're not able to come back next week, I know summer and everything. 
You can get on the worldwide interweb, and it's out there somewhere. It'll be there till Jesus comes, all right? Uh, you can watch it or listen to it however you want. Step two is a little bit obvious. Recognize that sin is not your master. And however you have to phrase that, however you have to get to the point of saying that, put it in words that you'll remember and say. Now listen, this step, I'm not, usually the second step's the easiest. I'm not asking you to change anything or do anything. I'm just saying, this week, maybe even today, as you're on your way to that sin, as you find yourself headed towards your favorite sin, as you find that thing bubbling up in you. I'm not even saying don't do it. That'd be a good choice, but I'm not even saying that in the next step. On your way to that sin, could you just remind yourself, hey, wait a minute. Sin's not my master. And then go ahead and do it if you want. I mean, I don't want, to, I don't want you to get all crazy. But on your way, as you think it, as you feel it, as you start moving towards it, what if you just stopped and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Sin's not my master. I don't have to do this. In fact, if I'm doing this, I'm choosing to do this on my own because no one's making me. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not in Christ and you're on your way to that sin, well, you're just rolling the dice, do the best you can. And I'm not trying to be incentive. But if you're in Christ, the entire power of God Almighty who rose Jesus from the dead is available to you so you do not have to sin anymore. As you find yourself moving that direction, recognize and say, maybe you need to say it out loud. Maybe you need a buddy of trust that's going to call you up and say, hey, dude, remember, sin's not your master. You don't have to do that. You're not a slave to that. So then you know as you carry out that action or that thought or whatever that is, you're saying yes to that sin. You're not forced to do that sin. Finally, it's kind of like an international adoption. Accept God's invitation of adoption. And those of you that have been through international adoption, I'm going to make it sound like it's super simple, and I know it's not. But when, when kids are adopted, whether as a baby or a grade schooler or even as a teenager and they're adopted, there's just several layers of authority, right? Especially, so you're in a different country, so there's a, the, the power of the government and the state and the institutions and orphanage and the people at the orphanages themselves. And with one stroke of the pen, one signed document, I know it's, I know it's more complicated than that. That kid, that orphan, moves from being part of an orphan, orphanage and an institution to be part of a family, to be part of your family. It's a, it's a legal transaction. Oftentimes, if, if the kid's a baby, they don't even know that's taking place. That you showed up, you found them, you went through all the hoops and did what you could to move them from being part of that orphanage, from being an orphan, to being part of a family. With all the wealth and opportunities that your family offers. And the government... The institutions, all those other the authorities, the orphanage, the people that work at and run the orphanage, they all lose authority and power. They can write, they can text, they can check in. But you, can you imagine a moment? 
If you go through this adoption and you get this little baby and you get it home, you set it all up, and you're not rich people. You're just a caring, loving people, and you saw a need and you met it, so you adopt this baby, you bring it into your home. And you raise it now. Uh, that little girl's about one year old or whatever, and she's happy and you're happy, and you just can't believe the blessings in your life. Here comes a knock on the door. Hey, it's the orphanage. We want the kid back. Maybe the one-year-old answers. Hey, come on, come with us. What are you going to do as parents? Slide the child out of the way, put them in a protected place behind you, and let who's ever at the door know, hey, that's my kid. I did everything possible for that kid to be part of our family. With the stroke of a pen, we had a legal agreement. And you lost all authority, you lost all claim, you lost all power. That kid is part of my family. They have been adopted into my family. That child is dead to the authorities of that country, of that institution, of that orphanage. The Apostle Paul is saying that when you were taken out of Adam and put in Christ. Not only did you get a new name and a new identity and a new family and a new destiny, you were adopted out of the pain of the orphanage of Adam. You were adopted into the loving family of Christ. When that happened, sin lost its authority over you. The in-Adamness of sin lost its power over you. And sin is not your master. With one stroke of God's pen, the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ, all the power and authority that comes with that is yours. You're not just a passive person that decided to be religious one day. You woke up and you said, I'm choosing. And maybe you didn't even know. You're like, yeah, this Jesus stuff, I know I can't save myself. I need a Savior. But you went from being in Adam, and now you are in Christ. And all the good of that is available to, to you every day. And if you struggle and you still mess up, and you're like, I don't want to do that stuff, then you're in good company with Paul. But at the same time, you can remind yourself, I am not a slave to sin any longer. Now, if you're like, ah, I didn't know. Ah, I didn't know. I went salmon fishing this week up in Brewster. From 5.30 in the morning to 11, um, all I got was a sunburn, <laughs> which is typical salmon fishing for me. About 11, 11.30 or so, I caught one, first salmon I ever caught. It was an enormous um, two-pounder. Um, <laughs> then a few, 30 minutes later, I caught another one. Ever. Anyway, I tell that story just to mention Brewster because I wanted them to wake up and pay attention. On my way driving home from Brewster, I get a call. I get a text from my sister Angie, who lives in Iowa with her husband Trace and their three teenage kids. They said, the text says, Kyle, my family needs to talk to you. I'm like, oh my, what's going on? So 
I call them, and they're in the car, so they're all talking, you know, they're all talking at once in the car over the phone. You know what I'm saying? I can't, I can't understand anything. They're just, and finally I'm just like, hey, one person has to talk at a time. And what happened was this. They had planned for months, if not, I think maybe even a year, that they were going on a family vacation, the first big one. They were going to leave the safe confines and boringness of Iowa, and they were headed to Vancouver, Canada. They were going to experience Canada in, all, in British Columbia in all its glory. Whistler, um, Victoria, uh, 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 everything. I don't know what's up there. Surrey and Burnaby. I don't know what's up there. All right. Never, uh, okay. They, they were so excited. And if you lived in Iowa, you would be excited too. All right. As they made their way from Iowa to Minneapolis to get on the big plane and head to Canada, Angie's checking in the whole family, and she finds out, hey, the um, passport cards you have are only good for driving to Canada. You can't fly with a passport card. This trip that they had pla- they planned, they paid for, the airlines, they paid for their Airbnbs in Whistler and Victoria. No, done. They have no passports. To say that they were disappointed would be way of an understatement. So they decide, okay, what are we going to do? And the thing is, no one needs to be mad at anybody because it, 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 when they call me, if I would have said, Angie, what are you thinking? You have to have a passport to fly. You idiot. Everyone knows you need a passport. She's like, I didn't know. I didn't know. No one ever told me. I didn't know. Well, you should have found it. Well, I didn't. They didn't know. So they did what any family in Iowa that's anticipating a fantastic, fun vacation in Canada would do. They said, Kyle, we're coming to your house, and we're driving 24 hours straight. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, are you asking or telling me? Well, we're driving right now, so... (laughs) So they show up, and in this story, I'm God in the new life. (laughs) They leave the hell of Iowa, the disappointment of not knowing key information to get what they want, and they end up in beautiful Lake Chelan in the presence of my wife, Darlene. (laughs) You should have seen them frolicking in the water on our blow-up toys like they actually landed on Vancouver Island and they were in Victoria. The li- well, we take for granted, right? The beautiful lake. The, I mean, they, I can't get them off the water. And then this morning, as if they were headed towards a relationship with Jesus and then they retreated back to Satan, they're on their way to Seattle to see downtown Seattle. The exact opposite of Lake Chelan. Here's what I'm saying. You maybe stumbled in here this morning. Maybe someone promised you something so you came or you're listening in or you thought, hey, my, I want fun time for my kid out there on Sunday fun day and everything and I'm sure they're having a blast. And you may come in and you may have said, man, I didn't know. If you're like, I'm not just going to take Kyle's word for it. It's just once, okay, you investigate then. 
You don't have to live controlled by the power and effects of sin in your life. You do not have to stay in Adam. With a simple stroke of the pen, God made it possible for you to be in Christ with all the rights and privileges and authority and blessing of that. Even if you didn't know, you know now. I'm praying you make that decision. I turn the service back to Billy Brewster. Here in Shalane, let's pray together. God, thanks so much. You could have left us. You could have left us abandoned. You could have left us as orphans. You could have left us to try to figure it out on our own. But God, we thank you that you sent Jesus Christ. And as much as that is religion and Christianity and Jesus, that term gets all wrapped up in a lot of different stuff. When we cleared away, we know that it is rescue from the power of sin now and it's rescue to eternal life with you later. That we welcome a new life here and we welcome the life to come. But God, I ask that you would move in everyone's heart, listening, tuning in, sitting here, that we would make a decision to move out of Adam and into Christ because you have made it easy for us to accept that gift from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for uh, joining us and being here. Have a great, great Sunday. See ya. Love ya. Bye.